0: All right. Hey guys. Welcome. Is this is too loud. No. Okay. Um, we're just recording this so that, uh, other people can get a chance to listen to it. Um, my name's Tim. I'm one of the pastors here, and, uh, this is the new believers class. Um, glad you guys are here tonight. And, uh, so I'm a little frazzled. It's a crazy day at work, early day, busy day, but, uh, let's open in prayer. <coughs> Father, we just, uh, God, we thank you for tonight, and we thank you that, God, we uh, still have the freedom to meet together and uh, to talk about you and to uh, learn about you, and, uh, Father, we just thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you, God, that uh, he died on the cross and rose again for our sins, and that, Lord, whether we've just accepted you or whether we've lived a 100 years knowing you, God, that you love us just the same, and that, God, uh, the important things are still the same that lord that we know you that we've been forgiven by you and that god we get to to live with you forever and we thank you for that and i pray you just bless this study tonight i pray that you would speak through me and that you'd fill us with your spirit and uh, help us all to learn something and uh to walk with you in jesus name amen welcome so tonight uh it might be a little bit of a, an information download it might be a little bit of a study um But uh, it's hopefully going to give you an introduction to the New Believers class series. Um, Eddie and Sanford are going to go through in uh, the other sessions in uh, probably a little more detail. Um, This is really just going to be a basic overview um, of the whole series, an overview of some topics that I thought were relevant and uh, hopefully uh, beneficial to you guys. So if um, we're in a New Believers class The first thing comes to my mind is, so then what's a believer? You know, if you're a new believer, what's a believer? And uh, I'm just going to read Romans 10, 8 through 13. Uh, What does it say? Uh, The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness... And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, Uh, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, and the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, believing is simple. You know, if you are a new believer, if you would consider yourself a new believer, or maybe you've been a believer for a while, and but really what is a believer? Someone who believes, you know, not just in anything. You know, everyone really believes in something. Um, but a new believer in this, in this aspect is really someone who believes in Jesus. Hey, come on in. Um, that Jesus is not just a historical figure. He's not just, um, you know, some guy that lived 2,000 years ago or maybe a good teacher or maybe even just a, um, you know, a messenger of God. But really that Jesus is who he is, who the Bible says he is, who God says he is. And that's God, that Jesus is the son of God. Now, a lot of people believe that, you know, the Bible even says that the demons believe and tremble like the angels who are in heaven, who rebelled against God and were cast out of heaven, know who Jesus is. They believe that Jesus is God, but they're not believers. You know, they're not Christians. Um, They're certainly not going to heaven as as we're going over believers. So then a believer is really someone who believes that, like Romans says, is that Jesus is the son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins, for the things that we've done wrong against God, but that God also raised him from the dead and that he lives forever. You know, uh, like I said, believing is simple. You know, salvation is you're saved by grace through faith. There's nothing you have to do. You know, you think of uh, the story of the, the crucifixion, actually, when Jesus was on the cross, there were two thieves who were being crucified at the same time as he was, you know, this is a public execution. This wasn't necessarily a religious ceremony. You know, Jesus was being crucified because he claimed to be God and the Jews wanted him crucified for that, among other things. But, um, one of the thieves mocked him and the other thief believed the other thief said, Hey, you know, when you come into your kingdom, remember me, please. And Jesus said, I, surely I say to you that today you'll be with me in paradise. So this other guy dying on the cross became a believer simply by believing, you know, he didn't have to go out and go start a charity or a hospital or, you know, pay back all his debts or do any of these other things that might be considered good works. But those things don't get you saved. Those things don't get you to heaven. Those things can't earn your way to heaven because Jesus already earned your way to heaven. You know, no matter what good you've done, you know, it'll never outweigh the bad. And whatever good you've done, I guarantee it's not as good as what Jesus did. You know, I've never walked on water. I've never healed a paraplegic or a blind man. And even if I could do all those things, I never died on the cross after living a perfect life, you know. So that's it. Believing is simple. You know, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, it's like Christmas, you know. You get a gift when you're a kid, and maybe, you know, you heard that thing about Santa Claus where if you're a bad all year, you get a stocking full of coal. But generally, your parents, if you had parents or someone in your life who loved you, I'm sure you've gotten maybe one Christmas gift in your life. It was probably just because they loved you. You know, you really didn't have to do anything to earn it. You know, allowance or your paycheck is something that you earn, but a gift is free. You know, it's not really a gift if you have to earn it, you know. And and that's what salvation is, because God loves us so much. He died for us. He gave it to us for free because, really, we could never earn it, even if we tried. Like we said, like there's nothing we could do to earn it. So God says, I'm giving it to you for free. Um, But there is sort of one caveat with that. You know, there's sort of one requirement, I would have to say. um, And I use that word kind of loosely because it's not, I don't want you to think that's something that, like, You have to do as like a work way, but it's really repentance. You know, we hear a lot about salvation these days, but we hear very little about repentance. We hear a lot about going to heaven, but we hear a a very little about turning from your sin. And that's really what repentance means. I believe it's like an old sailing term or something to like change course, change direction. You know, it's been said that repentance is um, turning away from what you're doing and going the opposite direction you know, I wrote down turn and burn here. You know, it's like, (laughs) if you've been doing something wrong and you really believe it's wrong, repentance means to stop doing what you're doing wrong and go the other way. Now, a lot of people will say like, before I knew the Lord, like uh, even after I became a Christian, I smoked a lot of cigarettes. And there are many times when I tried to quit and, you know, maybe I'd get a few weeks or get a few days through it. You know, I would try and repent, from smoking cigarettes. And I'm not trying to say if you smoke that, you know, you're going to hell, it's nothing like that. But it's just an example that, you know, I tried to repent and quit and it would only last so long because I was doing it in my own strength. And, you know, even then I was probably turning to something else and that you know, maybe I was eating gummy bears or, you know, some candy instead of that cigarette or, you know, I had only replaced my addiction with another addiction. I hadn't truly been saved from it. Um, and, that, and then when I came to know the Lord, he began to take things away, like, you know, um, you know, we'll get into the testimony part later. But when I got saved, I was smoking a lot of marijuana and I was trying to understand the Bible and get high at the same time. And obviously it didn't work. You know, I was just dumber and dumber all the time. And then uh, one day I was out with some friends and um, we had gone. I really don't really know why I'm sharing this but went out hiking and uh, we got really high one night. And then uh, the next morning, we tried to get high again, and I was with a friend, and she had friends that I didn't know that we got it from. And needless to say, it was it was it wasn't like cheap stuff. And the next day, I didn't get high, and I'd been seeking the Lord. And this is about a month before I repented and came to know the Lord, and it was like God just took it away. I'm walking out of the woods, going, and I wasn't like paranoid. I was just going, "Wow, like what is going on here? Like, you know, something just happened." And in a sense, like the point of what I'm sharing, I guess, is that it took the power of God to break that in my life. It took the power of God to take away cursing or to take away other bad habits. And it still takes the power of God to get rid of bad habits in my life. There's still plenty of things that, that I do that maybe aren't on the outward look as bad as maybe those things may you know are and, and look. But it still takes the power of God for me to truly repent and change. But for the heart of repentance, it's really – I've come to the end of myself, and unfortunately, it takes that a lot of times. And we've kind of done life on our own, and we've kind of bombed out and said, man, I just want to give up and kill myself, but I don't want to kill myself because I'm scared of where I'm going to go, or I know that hell's real, or whatever the case is, that I need you, God, to change my life. And I need you, God, to give me the power to turn away from these things that, that I don't have the power in my own that are really just killing me. And when I did give my life to the Lord, uh, November thirteenth, two uh, 2003, um, it was a Thursday night, Um, I was in, uh, I was living my mom at the time and I was in uh, my bedroom and it was late at night and I was just broken over my sin. I was uh, a whole lot of things you can read on the website, but um, I was just broken, you know, and i had grown up in the church and I knew who God was. I, like we said before, like the demons know who God is. I knew who God was. I used to pray when I was a kid, but I never believed in my heart. You know, he was never a personal God for me. And, um, and that night he became a personal God for me. He I accepted his forgiveness. He forgave me 2,000 years ago on the cross and same with you guys. But when you become a believer, it's that moment when, wow, okay, this knowledge or this all of a sudden is, wow, I believe in my heart. You know, it's like basically it's like falling in love. It's like, you know, you got your friend and then all of a sudden, oh, I'm in love now. You know, it's like there's a difference here. And from then, that's when God began to take all those things away. And uh, like that story I shared about going out hiking with my friend that I believe that that God almost had to do that supernaturally in order to get through to the fog to me like god is that full of grace where is like you're not going to do this on your own i'm going to help you out because i know that you're seeking me and i think that you know that that's what god says that if if we decide to seek god he'll he'll be found you know we can't see him physically per se i mean we can see him in the creation like the bible says but if we truly seek god he'll let us come to know him you know he's not up there going ah holding us back The only one that holds us back from believing really is ourself and the deception that comes with the sin that we're in. And uh, that's why sin is so bad. And that's why repentance is so important for salvation, because we need to repent and say, what I've been doing is wrong. I believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And now I want to follow God and do what God says is right. Because obviously what I've said is right isn't right, because what I've said is right all my life has just led me to this hole. You know what I mean? But believing is simple. You know, it's to repent. And that's really the gospel. Um, you know, John the Baptist went out before Jesus and, and preached repentance, this baptism of repentance. And yet salvation hadn't really come yet. Like Jesus was there, but he hadn't died on the cross. And it was, hey, turn from your sins and turn towards God. Uh, but the gospel is, um, I'm just going to read John chapter 3. If you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. Man, man this is good. I'm enjoying this. It's so good to... Just to go back over the essentials because I think, you know, when we get away from the gospel, we really get away from what it means to be a Christian. Because, you know, all the other stuff really, in a sense, doesn't matter if we don't have the gospel. But John 3, uh, you guys might be aware of this uh, story. It says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Uh, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, you know, he didn't want to be found out by his friends. Uh, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, "Uh, How can a man be born when he is old? Like, I don't get it, Jesus. Like, I'm not going to be born again. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? You know, do they do that down at ORMC? I don't know. You know, he goes on to say Nicodemus doesn't get it. And, you know, it is kind of an interesting bit of scripture there. But Jesus kind of rebukes him. He says that, hey, like, aren't you a teacher of Israel? Aren't you like a, you know, Bible teacher, an Old Testament teacher, and you don't know what, what it takes to get to heaven? Like, it's written in the Bible. You know, how have you missed this? And I think that a lot of people today, especially in America, have an idea of what the Bible says, but really have missed Jesus and what it means to really be a believer. But he says that you must be born again, and that's really the thing here. It's it's not a it's not really necessarily a life change. It's not necessarily a lifestyle change. Or you wear new clothes, you get the Christian T-shirt, or you do certain things. You know, you go to church. All those things may happen, but it's really that you are born again. You know, you are a body, your physical body. You know, you're in your mind and your in your heart, your soul, or your, your psyche, as modern psychology would call it. But then you're also a spirit. And because of sin, your spirit, when you're born, like my little girl, like her spirit is born dead because of sin. Thanks, Dad. You know, but that's the case. And you have to be born again. And Jesus says that you're born again through water and I believe through the blood. Spirit. Where is that? Water and the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And water in the Bible talks about a lot of things. Water, uh, the main point talks about God's word. You know, we also have water baptism. You know, we have the washing of the water of the word where like, you know, the word of God is, um, considered like a water where it can wash you, can wash your mind. You know, it can, you know, brainwash you into really believing the truth as opposed to having your mind dirtied by sin. But, but it's also by the spirit that it's not a work. It's God's spirit has to do something. You know, there's also a verse that says, um, you know, there's no man uh, that seeks after God. No, not one. Oh, all right, well, then how do any of us get saved? Well, it's that God seeks after us. You know, I'm not going to get into the whole, you know, did I choose God or did God choose me? I'm going to say it's both. Um, but it's by God's Spirit. Like, you know, there's many times that I prayed uh, before I got saved, but I was praying my own will, and I hadn't submitted to God's Spirit yet. And, and to be born again is that, you know, this is what the gospel is. God's spirit confirms that in your life and you believe it. And now you're born again. You're now like first Corinthians or second Corinthians 517 says that, uh, you know, old things that passed away, behold, all things that become new, you know, that you are now a new person. You are now born again when you believe in Jesus and have uh, turned to him for forgiveness because now that old person is dead. You know, you've left him dead on the side of the road and said, Hey, you're dead. I'm going, I'm going God's way. And the old person, you know, you leave behind, you've repented and left that person behind. You know, it's like you've left that, that body shell behind. But think of it as like a baby in growth. Like, uh, you know, uh, many of you know, my daughter Mia, she's uh, 11 months old and she was born 11 months ago. You know, she could barely like move. She couldn't eat on her own. She couldn't do anything. Uh, you know, she didn't understand English. Um, her dad barely understands English, but it's like, This whole thing, like she's born now. She doesn't know all these things that I know, you know, and when she's my age, she'll probably be a lot wiser than I am and a lot, you know, because I'm not very, and a lot smarter than I am, I hope, because she's smart already. But that's the same thing with a new believer. And I think that that's what's important about a new believer's class is that not that I've attained or I've gone anywhere, but I've grown up a little bit. And as we all grow up, we should all reach out to new believers just as. I look to older believers, you know, not as can be physically older or they've just been a believer longer than I am for insight and for wisdom. You know, we'll get into discipleship a little bit later, but just like she needs things fed to her or she needs help walking or she needs help, ch- excuse me, bathing or changing herself just as a new believer. It's not bad. It's not, it's not a chide. It's not to say, Hey, you're a new believer. You're lesser. No, you're a new believer. Fantastic. This is like, there's no greater joy than for a believer to see someone else come to know the Lord. And it's like, that's fantastic, you're a new believer. And a lot of times new believers have such excitement for the Lord, it encourages us who have walked with the Lord a little while to go, Wow, like, I need to get back to the basics. I need to get back to being excited about Jesus because I've missed something that that they have. I've forgotten how great it was to be forgiven of my sins. And so when someone says a new believer, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. You know, it's a fantastic thing. It's the greatest decision you can you can make with your life. But just as with baby Mia, there has to be this growing up process where, you know, if she's my age and still drinking out of a bottle and wearing a diaper, unless she has some sort of handicap, there's a problem there, you know, like there's some growing up that's been missed out on, you know, and thankfully, um, you know, you don't see that too much of that in, in churches that teach the Bible because, you know, that's how you grow up by the water and by the Paul calls it later the milk of the gospel in the New Testament and the meat of the word as we begin to to drink it and to read it and to study it. It helps us grow. Just like me, started out with, you know, uh, drinking from a bottle and drinking, um, you know, out of things like that. And then now she's eating like a little bit of solid foods that they make for baby. And she's eating, you know, like other solid things. And now she's getting teeth and she'll be eating heavier foods the same way as a believer. You start out just, oh, man, Jesus and the gospel. Like I remember the first time I came to Calvary, I was like, you know, just saved like, you know, minutes basically, like a couple of days and I come in, you know, my brain is still, you know, fried and, you know, my heart is like upside down and inside out, but I know that I know that I'm saved and I come and pastor Owen's teaching the word. I don't even remember what he was teaching, but I was just sitting there like, yeah, this is the truth. And it was just like <sighs> washing over me. Like, you know, I just stuck my head outside for the first time, you know, ever, you know, and it was fantastic because my brain was messed up even you know you might think my brain's messed up now and it is but it was way messed up way more messed up then and it was just you know i was on the search for truth and wow this is it this is it so it's fantastic but first peter 2 1 through 3 says therefore laying aside all malice all deceit these are all things that we uh we struggle with sometimes but that we did without a problem before we knew the lord uh hypocrisy envy and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And that's the thing. Like, if Mia wasn't hungry – hey, Christine, come on in. If Mia wasn't hungry when she was first born, there would be a problem. Like, we probably wouldn't be able to take her back to the room. The doctors would be looking after her. Like, if she didn't, you know, latch on to her mom, like, there would be an issue. Um, and that's the same way. Like, you know, if you're a new believer – and you don't have some hunger for God. And I, I think that all of you guys do. I mean, you're here on a Monday night, you know, with the threat of snow to listen to this guy say something. You know, you obviously want to know the Lord. And that's fantastic. And I hope that this blesses you. But if there's not that hunger when you're first born, I'd almost have to ask, have you been born again? Now, I'm not saying you want to read the Bible 24 hours a day. And all you want to do is, you know, get into the scripture and figure out the Greek words like, maybe you do and maybe you're just, maybe you're just weird like that. Awesome. But it's like, you know, if there's no hunger, you know, dead people aren't hungry in the same way. If you, if you're not born again and you're not hungry for something, you know, go to church, the Bible, anything, there's, there's a real problem there. And I I probably would have to say it's probably there wasn't a repentance or there wasn't, there was something that got in the way. Um, but also First Corinthians 3, 1 through 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you. This is kind of, he's rebuke rebuking the church because they are messed up. But um, as the spiritual people, but as the carnal, as the babes in Christ, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. For you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, you are not carnal, behaving like mere men. Paul's saying like, you know, you guys have been believers for a while and you, you still don't like have a different life. like. You know, there's a problem with that. And I'm not saying that's any of you. And if it is, yeah, you know, the Lord's not upset with you. You know, you're seeking the Lord. But the point is, is that, you know, when we live a life, there's this term in, in Christianity there's the carnal life or the fleshy life. And then there's the spiritual life. And our flesh was what got us in trouble in the first place when our spirit was dead. It was like the flesh ruled everything. You know, what I want, when I want it. You know, your way right away. That's the flesh. And the spirit was dead. And then when the spirit was born again, now the spirit rules over the flesh because the spirit says, I'm going to do what God wants to do and not what necessarily I want to do. But the spirit is weak. And so we need to feed our spirit. Just like, you know, if you, I mean, I don't work out, but if you work out, you're probably, you know, drinking creatine and power bars and all sorts of stuff. So you get all the muscles and, you know, hopefully not doing any any of those drugs like those athletes to get big fake muscles. But the point is, is that you're going to be, Pursuing this so that your body gets stronger. In the same way with the spiritual body, if you're not feeding your body, you know, your spirit with the word of God, with things we'll, we'll get into like fellowship and prayer and all that stuff later, you're going to be spiritually weak and you're probably still going to live a carnal life. You're not going to be able to get over those things or let go of those things that you know are bad, you know, are wrong, you know, are hurting you and are making you upset because you haven't let them go and you haven't fed yourself. You know, there's, you know, it's like, uh, um, You have to replace one with the other. It's like, it's it's just the case. Like, you know, I'm not going to come up with a weird example for you because I can't. (laughs) But if that's, you know, kind of where we're going, you know, what are the essential activities of a believer then? Well, it's Acts 242. And this is Acts is you know, Pastor Tony's going through it. It's really the model for the church. You know, people have all these crazy ideas what church is, and it's really Acts 242. You know, if your church is doing things other than the basics of Acts 2.42, you might want to question, you know, if it's really a church or not. Um, But it says in Acts 2.42, and they continued, they, the believers, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So that's what the Bible says and what the truth of the scripture is, not just what anyone thinks it is. Um, Fellowship. So that's hanging out. That's hanging out with other believers, really. And that's not just, hey, let's go check out a movie, believer. It's, hey, you know, the Lord's doing this in my life, believer. And the other believer says, yeah, you know, this is a good verse that I read recently. You know, it's like sharing things that that God's doing in your life or sharing scripture or just just godly things. You know, I think that even in its base form, just hanging out with another believer could be considered fellowship in like the weakest sense. Because at least you both are like minded and you're probably both are going to, you know, not cause each other to do something absolutely crazy but um also in the breaking of bread so simply that's just eating together you know there's nothing more special i think than going out to eat with other believers because inevitably something a spiritual conversation will come up or you'll be able to pray for each other or whatever and you get closer with each other but it's also in communion you know jesus broke the bread and and gave the wine and uh, before he went to die on the cross and the symbol of the passover and that's something he said. Do this every time you gather together to eat, or every time you gather together to have a a, a ceremony together. You know, like a, a, a holiday together. Do this. You know, and so that's communion. Like we do communion on the first Sunday of the month, um, as most as we can. But also in prayers. That you know, it's important to have a personal prayer life. Uh, it's important to pray with other people, and but it's also important for the church to pray together. You know. Um, I feel, you know, most disconnected from my wife when we don't pray together because we're kind of on different pages. You know, we both know the same God, love the same God, but, you know, we're not really sure what each other's hearing or what each other's really going through until we pray together. And how important it is that we pray for each other, that we share with people that we can trust, you know, things that we need prayer for. Um, and especially in the body because if we're not praying, if we're not talking to God, do we have a relationship with God? Like if you love someone in your life or have a friend, don't you call them? Don't you text them? Don't you think about them? Don't you, you know, want to go out of your way, do something for them? The same thing with the Lord, because it's when you're a believer, it's not you're a convert. And now, you know, I'm a convert, you know, don't worry Mr. Roboto, you know, you're now in a relationship with God. You believe that God is who he is and you have a relationship with the most high. The king of everything is now. Your God, your friend, your savior, like that's, that's awesome. Now I know prayer is hard sometimes and our, we get distracted and, and that's okay. That's, you know, part of the growth process. But if you don't at least have a desire to talk to him or check in once a day, you know, you know, just really question where you're at. You know, maybe just challenge yourself. Hey, you know, maybe I should check in more often with God. But, um, you know, this is the definition of church life, not big sales, not necessarily missions trips. Um, you know, those things aren't necessarily bad, but those aren't the core things that make a church, you know, um, you know, you get it. You know, there's this thing called, uh, the five spoked wheel for healthy Christian living. I don't know if that's what it's called, but it' was <laughs> five spokes and it's really easy to remember. Like if you want to have a healthy Christian life, these five things need to be practiced. And number one, um, I mean, these could kind of be in any order. It's like a wheel. Like if it's missing a spoke or two or three, it's probably not going to go around. So the orders aren't really necessarily that important but prayer worship and that's singing to god you know i mean worship can be considered a lot of things but in this context i mean singing to god like we do on sunday uh, you don't necessarily have to sing out loud like um you know you can sing at home with an ipod on and sing quietly and raise your hands to the lord um you know you could sing out loud you know just sometimes it's a little better to do it quietly if it's late at night and you got neighbors or something but uh, <laughs> um but it's also bible study and uh, that could, it takes a place in the form of just reading it yourself, you know, reading once a day, twice a day is, you know, whenever you can, um, there's no like law for that. Like you didn't read your Bible today, you're in big trouble. You know, God's not mad at you, but I guarantee you, you stop, you know, you stop eating the word for a day. You're probably going to feel kind of funny, you know, just like if you stopped eating for a day or for, you know, three hours, you'd feel kind of funny in the same way. Like spiritually, you'll start to feel funny. You'll start to, you know, just start getting into weird stuff when we get away from the word. But so we have prayer. We have worship. We have Bible study. We have evangelism, which is just a a funny word that even the world uses now for sales. But it's uh, sharing Jesus with people who don't know him. Now, does that mean you have to know every scripture out there? No. The basic, the most basic form of evangelism is just sharing your testimony or saying, Hey, can I pray for you? Or, Hey, did you know this? Or, you know, just being a Christian around people who aren't Christians and occasionally letting something slip that's Christian, you know, that's evangelism. You know, it takes many forms, but, um, you know, Jesus said, uh, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. Like, you know, you don't like turn on the lamp at home and then throw a blanket over it, you know, not as like a fire hazard, but you know, what's the point, you know, the same way, like each of us have this light in us once we believe in God that, wow, we have the truth that I didn't have before I knew God. And I know you don't have because you don't know God. I'm just going to share it with you. Even if it's just doing something for somebody in a sense, like that's preparing the ground for evangelism. Like they're not a believer, so I'm going to love on them and do this for them in the hopes that when I get the chance to share something biblical with them, they've now been, oh, this person's been nice to me. Or I remember when they did that for me and they're more willing to receive it. But then there's also fellowship is the last one. You know, so you have prayer, worship, Bible study, evangelism, fellowship, and you'll keep going for it. You know, if your walk is getting a little bumpy. Probably because you got a flat tire, you know? So, which one of these things is flat in your life? I like that. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> but, uh, you know, these things can really, they really need to take place in different avenues. Um, and again, I know I'm really just dumping a bunch of information on you, but I'm trying to cover just some bases, like the boot camp here. And so, hey, <laughs> thanks. But, um, you know, really it it falls into different categories. You have your own personal devotional time. You have your family time or those that, like, maybe you're single. Like, you know, I got saved. I was single, and I was single for a while, and I had some great friends who were believers, but we spent time together and all these things. But then there's also, like, church time, and then, you know, there's time. We should still have friends with unbelievers, but it's like, you know, your core friends need to be the ones that are Christians, but, you know, that's the ones you're going to want to get the best spiritual advice from, obviously. But devotional time, you know, um, you know, every day you should have time with the Lord. And again, this isn't like a law, like I spent my time with the Lord today. You know, I, I spent twice the time so I can skip tomorrow. You know, it's not like it's this law that you have to follow. But, you know, it's it's good. Like, you know, if you want to be able to work tomorrow or get up tomorrow, you probably want to get a good night's sleep. And in the same way, if you want to have a, a good day, really, it's spend time with the Lord. And beyond that, if you want to be protected from sin if you want to not make foolish decisions we need to spend time with the word and and one of those ways is devotional in the morning five minutes ten minutes whatever you want to start with 15 minutes 30 minutes an hour whatever you know how ever gung-ho you want to go um just start simple and let it grow from there let it grow from there like don't try and go do like you know the eight hour prayer session you know and then when you only make it 15 minutes beat yourself up and then not do it for a week you know you know if you you know, you're not going to go run eight miles first time you go out. You know, you probably run a quarter mile or whatever. In the same way, just start simple. Um, but definitely you're going to want to spend some time in prayer and spend some time in the Bible. Um, I'd highly encourage you. Uh, What's been my devotional life, um, and I'm not, like, super spiritual or anything like that or a spiritual giant, but I go through Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, and I go over and over and over through those. Like, I'll read a chapter. um, you know, a Proverbs in the morning. And then, you know, the next day I'll read second chapter, third chapter, fourth, over and over and over. And then I'll go into Psalms. I'm in the Psalms right now. It's great. And sometimes if it's shorter, I'll read less. If it's longer, you know, if it's shorter, I'll read more. If it's longer, I'll read less. Or, you know, sometimes like if I wake up late, I'll do it at lunch or something, which is obviously, you know, my day is just so different when it's that way. Um, spend some time in prayer. And I used to do it more before I was married. And it's something that like I really like, again, Need to inflate the tires a little bit, but I've been trying to do more, spend more time in worship, at home, and you know, and then throughout the day. Then, thankfully, I have this hour commute, so I put on the bridge and I'm able to listen to a Bible teaching. So it's like I get some extra stuff on the way to work. So it's kind of cheating. It's like I didn't go to Bible college, but I commuted in New Jersey for ten years. So, (laughs) so I'm just kidding. I just, I was, you know, I just thought it was funny, but it's not. But um, but that's it. It's like spend time with the Lord in the morning. I encourage you. You know, like the psalm says, you know, when I, I, I lay down on my head at night, you know, I meditate on your word. And that's not meditate like on, ooh, you know, what are you doing? And, ooh, you sound like a vacuum cleaner. It's like, think about God's word. Think about what the Bible says over and over in your brain. You know, consider like what you've read in the morning. You know, at night I at night I read something else. Like right at night I'm in Exodus, and it's awesome. And i uh, just reading through that and uh, studying that, and it's um you know, it's good to have these different times, you know, and if your schedule is different, you know, like my wife is, you know, a baby, sometimes she can get up and spend time before me is up and other times she can't. So she has to wait for me to take a nap. It's like, it doesn't have to be this law thing, but I encourage you the earlier you do it, the better, because I I don't know if you've noticed, but when you first wake up in the morning, your heart is wide open. Like my heart is. And then like quickly, if I don't spend time with the Lord, it closes up, the cares of the world come rushing in and all of a sudden, you know, I'm flying down the thruway trying to get run over on my way to work and it's like if i don't get up and spend that quiet time and let the lord get in there before these cares rush in you know i can really miss something that he has for me that day i can really miss an important word like if i've got a big decision coming up god will speak to me in, in prayer and devotions and you know He'll give me there's something called i don't want to get too deep into it but a word where you're reading the bible and the bible has a, a plain meaning when it says it also has an application meaning like you know don't steal, you know, like that. But uh so that means today I'm not gonna go steal when I'm, you know, whatever. But then also there's rain word where you'll g a verse will just stick out and it may not happen right away, you may not hear it right away, it may take a while, so it's not something, I'm not hearing anything, that's okay. But you know, when you're praying about maybe you haven't asked anything either, but when you're praying about something like Lord, like should I move? Should I take this job? Or, you know, I'm just going through a real hard time, Lord, and just sharing your heart with the Lord. And you spend that time in devotions with the Lord, he'll give you a Rhema word. It'll be like, Oh, like I remember oh, years ago praying about if I needed to move like somewhere else, and like uh, I was—I re- forget—I was reading. It might have been Exodus or another place where references is, but it said the land of Goshen, and I know that's what the Lord gave Owen to come up here in the first place. But I got it, and I was like, "All right, you know, I guess I'm not going to California, you know, <laughs> you know." But it was good. It was like I just knew that I knew that I knew that it was for me. It's like I can't like explain it other than that, and that's the same thing. That's you know, the Spirit of God bearing witness in you you know, and God will do that for everything. You know, if, if you're, you know, I'm crazy and I, you know, I'll like, I used to pine over everything. Like, Lord, is this the right toothbrush for me? Like, I don't want to make a stupid mistake. You know, I think the Lord would rather you be that like ridiculous and OCD than to never ask him anything, you know, like, cause he'll get you through that. And you know, I, I was very indecisive. So it was the Lord that helps me be decisive, but you know, um, your testimony, when you share your testimony, you share, basically, if you just got saved two weeks ago, share what happened two weeks ago, share what led you to that moment two weeks ago. You don't need to like exegete the scripture and, you know, give the four points or whatever you want to do about the Bible. You don't need to tell them how many books are in the Bible. And anything like that just say, Hey, I was messed up. <laughs> I learned that Jesus died for my sins and, and he came into my life and forgave me. And I don't know how to explain it, but I'm new. Like for me, I just knew that I knew I didn't feel empty anymore the next day. I wasn't like alone. Like I was lonely because I didn't have any friends, but I didn't feel alone anymore. Like, I was like, Oh wow. Like something is really different this time. That's it. You don't need to like explain it. If they give you a Bible question, say, I'll get back to you and I'll go look it up. And then, you know what I mean? It's like, you don't have to be know all the answers because who does God does. But, um, you know, also small groups, something that's really blessed me. Um, you know, it's really great to come to church on Sundays. It's great to come on Wednesdays and other things like this. But really, it's me just eating the word and spitting it back up, and you guys are receiving it, and hopefully it's not too nasty. But a small group is something where you can really grow. Like, um, if you get together with your – if you're married, get together with your spouse or your family. Like, I was with my mom, and, you know, she was backslidden at the time, and uh, uh, her husband wasn't saved. But uh, we read the Bible together. I started reading to them. You know, and God was doing work in my mom. God was doing work in him. And it's like, just sat down and read with them. And then I started coming to church, you know, at the, around the same time. And some guys invited me over for a Bible study. And I went over and I didn't know, you know, I barely knew up from down, let alone how to study the Bible. So we just read the Bible. And I was quiet for months. I just sat there and listened and listened to them talk and said, I don't know what they're saying. But, you know, most of the time, but occasionally something would stick out and I go, okay, I get it now. And then occasionally, I uh, okay, this is what I think. Don't beat me up. You know, eventually I'd share. And, you know, and that just continued on. Like it was different guys would come in and out as life moved and we moved and things changed. But it was always a blessing. And, you know, some guys and I still meet Tuesday nights now. And it's like I need it probably more than they do in a sense. It's like we just get together. We read the Bible together and then we pray. Well, we pray and we worship with music on the TV. You know, I have like a, I can play the music on there. And then uh, – we read the Bible and talk about it. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, Jesus didn't make it complicated. He hung out with 12 guys in the wilderness and like ate fish. You know, that's, I hate fish, but it wasn't complicated. You know, and we complicate things so often, I think, in the church and in Christianity and just in life in general, where just hang out and be believers. Now, don't go off on some crazy tangent, but just be a believer. You know, discipleship, and this is what's I think important, too, not just only in small groups where you meet your peers and in those times you can really get to know other believers and really pray for each other. Because a lot of times we come to church and even if we're trying to be open, you know, you get five seconds with somebody before someone else comes in the conversation. And not there's anything wrong with that. There's a place for church. But it's like it's I think that, you know, it's part of the reason why I changed the cafe around plus to see the TVs. But it's during service. But so that hopefully people sit together and actually have a conversation other than how you doing. Great. See you. You know. Like, how are you doing? Oh, well, this week work was really rough or, you know, you know, this was great this week. You know, God really came through or, you know, just to have these opportunities to really get to know each other and pray for each other. Because if you come, you don't leave right away, you know, just stick around. Even if you don't know anybody, like I would just sit there and then someone would talk to me, you know, especially when the church was small. It was like, you know, it was, people hugged me when I first came in. I was like, what is this? This is so weird, but I like it. You know, it was, it was fantastic. But, uh, and that's the way it should be. You know, the church, you know, Jesus said, they'll oh, know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And discipleship is, it's a fancy word. Uh, it comes from Latin, "discipuli." You know, I took three years of Latin too in high school. And if you think for that for a moment, it'll be funny. Um, but it's just learning from somebody. Like there was somebody earlier in my walk who was younger than me, but was much older than me in the Lord. And I was discipled by them. And I also had a friend who discipled to me because he was older than the Lord, and it was like we were just friends, but it was like two different roles. There's actually three roles that the Bible kind of talks about. I mean, Jesus obviously is our example, but none of us are Jesus. But Jesus had the twelve disciples, but he also had uh, James, Peter, and John who were like kind of close to him, and they, you know, he brought them all up on the mountain and, you know, saw things that the other guys didn't get a chance to see because they hung out with Jesus. And then there was all those thousands of people that followed him that you know never really got too close to him. Um, so we need to follow Jesus and follow him closely that we'll see those things and we'll get to to hear from him in that way. But it also works with people in our lives. Um, there's a model, you know, everyone should have a Paul, a Barnabas and a Timothy in your life. And I don't count, uh, but a Paul in your life should be like the Apostle Paul, someone who is older in the Lord than you. They might not be older, you know, like I said, they, m- they might be younger than you, but someone that maybe you don't have the closest relationship with, like maybe you don't hang out and go get pizza with them all the time. Maybe you do, but someone who's older in your life that can speak in your life, that can be an example in your life. Like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Like someone's example to follow. Like pastor Owen was one of those big examples in my life. Like he was like a spiritual father to me. Like we're close, but we're not, you know, we don't like, we never really like hung out or anything. Like he would, if I was going through something or just whatever, you know, we'd hang out occasionally, but I wouldn't like, and we're friends, but I wouldn't consider him like, Hey, you know, there was like this different relationship there. Like, uh, you know, where I could just watch his life and say, yeah, this is, this is how a godly man does life. And I can do the same with, with Tony now too, in in a different way, but in in a good way. And, um, and that's important that we have someone and God will provide that like for me because, uh, you, you need a spiritual father or mother, so to say in your life. Um, but someone who can really, like, speak into your life and, and give you those instructions that you need. But then you also need a Barnabas. And Barnabas was the guy who went with Paul on the missionary journey as he was, like, his partner. And a Barnabas in your life is someone who's, like, a peer. Maybe they're the same age. Maybe they're your, you know, quote, unquote, best friend um, in the Lord who in- encourages you in the Lord, who you encourage. You know, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of one man to another where, you know, you guys are both – studying the Bible and you both egg each other on or you're both serving in ministry together or just whatever it is where there's someone who you can say, hey, this person is a friend. And again, maybe you don't even hang out all the time with them, but it's someone that you can say, you know, we're both kind of in the same spot in the Lord and we're both encouraging each other in the Lord to go in the same direction. And, and that's important, you know, so you kind of got in front and you can have multiple, you know, Barnabas, Barnaby, you know, on your sides. And then there should be Timothy's as well. And Timothy to Paul was, Paul calls Timothy a son in the faith, or uh, Timothy was a uh, uh, half Jew, half Greek. His mom was Jewish and his grandmother was Jewish, but we don't know what happened to his dad. And he was growing up in the faith, but then Paul became like a spiritual father and Timothy got saved and, you know, became the pastor at Ephesus and everything. Uh, but Timothy was the one who was receiving from Paul. And uh, in the same sense, like, you know, you could probably pour into people now, but uh, don't be in a rush to yet just grow and get ready but at some point as you grow there should be just this natural outpouring of oh now i'm starting to d- disciple some other new believer or some somebody else who, who needs it like we all need it it's not like you know i've got paul's in my life i've got Barnabas in my life and i've got timothy's in my life and we all should it's not like you know you grow up from a timothy to a barnabas to a paul and then you don't need them all you know you're always you should always have all these types of people in your life and in a youth group, we used to do something called discipleship groups, um, where a a leader or two leaders would take a couple of the kids and every week meet together and do Bible studies and pray for each other, ask how they're doing, and even just go out and hang out. Almost like a a big brothers, big sisters kind of thing. But there should be at some point someone you can pour your life into. Maybe that's just your kids, or maybe that's kids in the youth group, or maybe that's uh, a friend who's a younger believer, you know? And again, it's not like to rule over them or to be better than them, but really, Hey, you know, this is, and you'll know, God just kind of sets it up that way. You'll know, like it just happens naturally, you know, it just, it just happens. But there's another important thing that I thought of on the, on the way here, when I was considering this was, uh, your armor, you know, I was never in the military, but I have an uncle in the military and I know a few people in there and I have uh, high respect for the people who put their lives on the line, you know, whether, the president sends them to do something good or bad. They're still out there and obedient and, and fighting in a sense, you know, in some way for our freedom, at least even if it's just in name only. Um, but they put their lives on the line. And no soldier really goes out to battle without armor on. And that's what this Christian walk is. This Christian walk is uh, is not, you know, a walk in the park. You know, it's not just a, a friendly hike up the Appalachian Trail. It's It's a battle. You know, if anyone tells you that, you know, <laughs> sorry. If anyone tells you that this Christian life is going to be easy, you're going to be healthy and rich and have everything you want, absolutely they are lying to you. That is another gospel. That is not what the gospel says. Jesus was none of those. Jesus was crucified. Jesus didn't have a house. You know, Jesus' family thought he was crazy for a time. Like that's not you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. The only way I see that in the Bible really like is in heaven. Well, I'll be super rich. I'll we'll be reigning and we'll be with God. But while we're here, it's a battle because this is enemy territory. Because when we, when Adam and Eve sinned, they handed the title deed over to Satan. And now Satan is the ruler of this world. And Jesus even said that. And Satan even came to him and said, hey, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down to me. And Jesus said, you can't do that. He just said, no. You know, I'm following God. I don't need to obey you. Like, I'm going to get things God's way. I'm going to be obedient to the cross and take over the world through dying on the cross and rising again. I mean, that's Jesus' route. And so our life is hard. And Ephesians 6.10, I encourage you to read uh, Ephesians. Um, but it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Um, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. You know, uh, gird your waist with truth, breastplate of righteousness, put on the the boots of the gospel of peace, take the shield of faith and, uh, you know, the the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. You know, I jumped through that, but go read it like we need to have all these pieces of armor on. And I'm sure some of you guys will touch touch on it or, you know, you can find a good teaching on, on this area. But we need to be armored up. You know, we need to have all these things active in our life to be able to fight off the enemy like if you know again if you're not eating eventually you'll die in the same way if you're out in the world without bible verses without praying without spending time with god and without having the armor of god on you're gonna get in trouble quickly you know how often do i you know i'll go through the day and i'll realize oh man why is this going so wrong oh because i didn't you know in a sense put on the armor of god for that and we're gonna wrap up here in a couple minutes so i'm gonna go through these last few things here um But doubt, you know, how do you know you're saved? You know, did you get a certificate in the mail like when you prayed and then all of a sudden three days later or two days later, Amazon Prime, you got something from, you know, heaven and it was a certificate? No. But the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. That when we have that confirmation of being saved in our life that, you know, the Holy Spirit is our guarantee, that he's the proof that we're going to heaven. But it's, it's healthy to doubt. You know, there's I, wa- I was a Christian for about a year and then I went through like the season of doubt. And I think a lot of times in church or in Christian circles, we say doubt's a bad word. You know, don't say the D word doubt, you know, doubt is supremely healthy and doubt God can use. Now, it's again, it's what do we do with that doubt? It's do we go do we let it make us bitter or do we take that doubt and say, well, a doubt is really I have a question and I doubt what the answer is. Right. So we take that question that's causing that doubt to the Lord. And I guarantee he'll answer it. You know, it may not be an answer we like. It may not be an answer we necessarily understand. But he'll, you know, he wants to answer your questions. You know, you may not hear for a while. You may not get it for a while. But doubt is okay. You know, am I saved? I'd probably question, you know, if you're asking yourself that question and you've repented from your sins and at least you turned to the Lord and you doubt if you're saved and you're doing the things that you should be doing, you know, you're probably saved. I mean, even if you've screwed up and haven't been doing the things you should be doing, you're wondering if you're saved, but you love Jesus, you're saved. You know, it's like that doubt is healthy. That's just this whole part of this reconciliation process. I mean, we all go through doubt. Like, even if you get a degree or, you know, you know, you're an expert at something, you know, the minute a hard thing, hard thing comes along, you doubt whether you're good enough to do it. You know, like, did my, all my training come through? You know, do I really know how to do my job when this problem goes? You know what I mean? Like doubt is a natural process, a healthy process, um, But again, you know, don't let it make you bitter. Let it make you better, you know, bring it to the Lord. And uh, the Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit isn't the force. It's not Star Wars, you know, it's not anything else like that. It's not a, you know, the Bible talks about the person who's led by the Spirit. We read it before. Jesus said it's like like the wind, you know, you see the wind moving in the trees, you see the effects of it, but you don't necessarily know where the wind is coming or where it's going. I mean, even the weatherman doesn't know that, you know, he doesn't know when exactly it's going to snow, you know, so. I think it's a good picture, but the same way, like I, 10 years ago, you, if you would have told me that January 20th tonight, I'd be teaching a new believers class. I'd be like, you're crazy. Like I'm barely saved. You know, I don't know. Like you would have told me half the things that have gone on in my life in the past 10 years. I would never would have thought that in my entire life would have happened. Why? Hopefully because for the most part, you know, at least in some part I've been led by the spirit and God has brought me in different places. And now that's not like, um, you know, like Tom and Jerry were like the, the smell of the cheese would come out and like a finger and, you know, come this way. The spirit is a person, you know, the Trinity, you know, I'm sure they'll get into that. But the God, this Holy Spirit is a person, you know, and he's even in Genesis one where it talks about the spirit of God hovered over the waters before creation. You know, the word uh, Elohim for God is plural. It means uh, like one, but in plural, um, we see David in Psalms and other people talk about the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit being on Saul and being on other guys like David in the Old Testament. It was a different relationship that we have with them then than it is now because of Jesus. But He was always been around. You know, John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit from conception. Um, but he's a person. And we can also grieve him. And that's also part of the way you know your believer. is like when you sin and you mess up and you feel like this, like, oh, just like grief. That's the Holy Spirit. I mean, part of it's probably your heart, too, you know. But before you knew the Lord, you did the same exact thing, and you probably even went out looking for the same exact thing and had other people do the same exact thing, and it didn't grieve you. It excited you. So, there's proof that there's a, another, you've been possessed by the Holy Spirit in a good way that, oh man, don't grieve him. Don't grieve him because he's a gentleman and he's not going to make you do the right thing. You know, you keep grieving him, you know. All right, okay. You yeah, know, this is what you want. You know, he's good to discipline you, but. You know, he's also a gentleman. He's our comforter. You know, when we are grieved by hard things in our life, he's the one who's going to comfort us. He's also one that'll teach us. You know, the Bible says you don't need any teacher. You know, it's good to have Bible teachers. But the real one you need to be learning from is the Holy Spirit. You know, and uh, just real quick, the Holy Spirit, there's para and an epi, the three uh, Greek words that that describe our relationship with him. Para means alongside. And before we're a believer, God comes alongside us, says, hey, that's wrong. Hey, Jesus is real. You know, remember that person evangelized too they made fun of? That's the truth. You know, like God loves you, but the end is coming, hell is real and and you're gonna go there if you don't follow Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, and not
1: You're a sinner, you're going to hell. I I hate
0: you. God hates blank. No, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy. God says, I love you, come repent. Sorry. But then there's N and that's when we get saved he comes in us. And now, like I said, like we can grieve him and and you know the, the still small voice you know god will bring the scriptures and point us out things that's in the but then there's epi and that's to be baptized with the holy spirit and that's where like the disciples were saved you know but then that day of pentecost when they're Jesus said don't go do anything yet until you get baptized until the holy spirit comes upon you because you'll mess it up and that's the truth you know we may be saved but unless we go about things the way god wants to do them unless god is the one empowering us we're going to mess it up royally like we may still mess it up but it won't be as bad if we have the holy spirit like wait that's when you can ask him go home ask him you know in the quiet your room say lord will you baptize me with your holy spirit will you fill me will you give me the strength just to do today will you give me the strength just to not watch that tv show or not do this or or just to share with my family or whatever it is and, and god will give you the power and it's it's a constant thing it's not a you know it's like just like you got to put gas on your car you got to keep up that relationship with the lord and um and not that he'll leave you or forsake you or anything like that or leave you broken down on the side of the road. But, you know, it's just this constant relationship with the Lord because we're not perfect and we're still going to sin. But, you know, I just I don't want to get too deep in it. So I apologize if I'm glossing over it. But, again, baptism, if you've been saved, you should be baptized. Not to be saved, but as a, an outward sign of that repentance. Sort of like when you get married, it's like a symbol. You know, it's a public ceremony. Baptism is, uh, Romans says... That we were buried with him, Romans 6, 4, through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That that act of going under the water and coming out doesn't save you, but it's saying, I am identifying with Christ and his death and resurrection, and now I'm a new person. And I encourage you, if you haven't been baptized yet, get baptized. There's, I guarantee if you get baptized and seek the Lord, that your life will be drastically different than before you were baptized. I'm not saying that. You know, you're not saved, but I'm saying it's like this act of obedience and it's like, it's, you know, I can't explain it other than that. But also Colossians 2.12 talks about baptism. Colossians 2.12, 1 Peter 3.21, 1 Peter 3.21. Again, then it's not that it's something that saves us, but then it's an evidence of our salvation. And I'm going to go a couple minutes over, but only by a few. Um but then from there, like Jesus didn't start his public ministry until he was around 30. And even then, he got went and got baptized by John. And John's like, "I should, you should baptize me. What are we doing? And Jesus is like, I just want to be obedient to the law. And when that happened, you saw the Holy Spirit come down. And as the Bible says, like a dove, the Father spoke from heaven. So we see the Trinity. But that even then, Jesus waited until the Holy Spirit said, hey, it was time to go do your ministry. You know, Jesus didn't go out when he was 20 he waited till it was, god said it was time. and in the same way we need to wait for the call for ministry. if you're a new believer, like we have a policy here, i think it's like 3 months or 6 months where if you just come to the lord or even if you've known the lord and just come to this church, don't worry about serving. don't, you know, ministry, all these areas could use extra servants, if no, just chill. relax, you know, feed on the word. and then as you grow and as you're able to walk a little better, as you're a little steady, Step out if God's leading you to do that, if God's putting it on your heart to do that, as we say. Um, but Hebrews 5, 4 through 6 says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he was called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, You are my son today, I begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, that even Jesus, in a sense, didn't take the call of God on himself. He waited for the Holy Spirit. The father is the one who instructed him to do it. The father is the one, you know, like it talks about First Corinthians 15, that the father is the one who who said that it's everything will be placed under Jesus' feet. You know, it's like he's doing the father's ministry in the same way. You know, we can't do anything on our own. And, and you'll know quickly when you step out to do something in the name of the Lord, and it's not by the Lord, you'll find yourself, uh, even if it is of the Lord and you're not seeking him for his help, that you'll find yourself burned out, tired, angry, no fruits coming out of it. You know, all these things, all these Christian terms that I'm spitting out at you that, you know, it's got to be by God's spirit. You know, you'll be refreshed when you do God's work. Like, you know, you may be tired and maybe late. You may be early in the morning and be long hours and may be in another country, but your spirit will go, oh, yeah, like this is God's work and this is where I want to be. But you can't take it under yourself. And I think that that's a large, you know, a big problem with a lot of ministries and a lot of things is that you can't take it unto, your, unto yourself. It has to be God giving it to you. And a lot of people say, oh, I want to be a pastor one day. And that's good. You know, the Bible says that that's a good desire, but it has to be God's call in your life, and it has to be in God's timing. You know, the Bible says not to lay hands on anyone quickly because you don't know if they're going to derail. You don't know what they're really about. In the same way, you don't know if you're even ready for it. Like, you know, I, I felt the call of God in my life as soon as I got saved just to, just to serve, you know. Yeah. And part of me wanted to be a pastor and part of me wanted to serve, but I was never really sure God would ever call me. I never was really sure if, you know, uh, you know, I'd be able to, or, you know, the things in my life, you know, were they too much? Could God not use me or, you know, things like that. And, uh, and it's really by his grace. It's really because God told me again, verse said, you know, feed my sheep years ago. And I, I've only been a pastor barely a year. And it's like, God told me years ago. And I just had to keep serving and keep following him and go through some hard things and and learn some lessons and I'm still young I'm still just a a young guy wet behind the ears you might say but I know that I know that I know that God's called me to do this otherwise I would say see you New York I'm going to a free state I'm going to a place where things are cheaper and warmer and my allergies don't bother me you know and you know all sorts of things (laughs) yeah exactly but I know that I know that God has me in Goshen and then God has me as an associate pastor to help Vinny and to help Tony. If that was the case, yeah. And you guys can help me because this is, I mean, I'm just up here because this is God where God has me. If you guys weren't here, there'd be no point for me to be here and vice versa. We all need each other. It's not one better than the other. It's just, this is what God has me doing. And I remember joking with pastor Jim a lot. We were going in a car ride and I was like, man, Jim, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm just a pastor because God can't do anything else with me. Like you know, I've done so many stupid things. The only thing God can do is say, Hey, this is an example of my grace, you know, and I'm pretty foolish. So God has to keep me close. Like, you know, you, you make the talkative kids sit in front or, you know what I mean? Like God has his reasons for his reasons. And, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day and I was like, your ministry is harder than mine. And it's probably in some sense more valued than mine. Uh, even though it's not public ministry, because it's like, their ministry is every day, every day what's going on in their life. And I'm like, that is, you know, I have no idea how hard that is. Like granted, it's not hard being, a, it's hard being a pastor sometimes. And it's really hard being a senior pastor. And I'm I'm glad Pastor Tony's the senior pastor. He's like, you know, on those old ships, he's like on the front of the ship, like getting all the waves in the face and like Vinny's there. And I'm kind of in the back, like in a little bit of splash. You okay, Tony, you know, like praying for him and helping him. But it's like, It's not an easy job and and no ministry and no even just a Christian walk isn't easy. You know, Christian walk is hard and it's gonna be hard, but it's better. And it it ends it ends well. It ends well. Um, you know, David said that uh I almost stumbled when I saw the rich people in their big houses and they're always happy and always partying, but then I went to the sanctuary and I remembered, wow, I remember their end that that they don't know God, and when they die at any moment, that they're going to be without God for eternity and suffering. And this, this light affliction, this light suffering in life is, is uh, worth it. But again, First Corinthians 1, you are the called. You guys are all called. If God's, if you're saved, you're called to serve God and to follow God in whatever capacity he has for you. And if you're not saved, the call is to get saved and to serve God and go to heaven and live eternity with the rewards. But going to breeze through this last little bit here um inerrancy of scripture you know where do we get the bible um the bible like the bible and uh, i think it's seven, second timothy says that uh it's profitable for doctrine reproof correction instruction and righteousness that the man of god may be um you know equipped for every good work that the bible is god's word it was written by men but again like we said the holy spirit is inspired by the holy spirit and i'm sure these guys are going to go through it but there's 66 books written by 40 authors over 1,500 years on three continents. You have Europe, Asia, you know, the Middle East, and uh, Africa. Um, you know, there's a couple veins where we get the Bible from, Texas Receptus and these other ones. Um, you know, the, if you look at the writing of all the early church fathers, it all matches up. Like, they've all quoted all the scripture that's in here. So it's not like the scripture that's in here that that the early church didn't believe. Like, we believe what the early church believed. Um and, uh, you know, the New Testament versus the Old Testament, uh, you know, I, a lot of people think that, you know, if we're believers, it's just, oh, we don't need the Old Testament. It's just the New Testament. Well, I got news for you. The first four chapters of the New Testament are Old Testament because they're before Jesus died on the cross. You know, Old Testament means old covenant, meaning we have to follow the law. We have to give sacrifices. And, you know, it gets way deeper than that. But again, these things aren't necessary for salvation, but they're good. Uh, they're good to build you up. Um you know, we believe both. You know, the, the Old Testament, when you read it, it talks about Jesus. It points to the cross. And the New Testament talks about Jesus, confirms the cross, and points to the the future we have with him. So it's one big story. You know, I challenge you to find a science textbook written over 1,500 years by 40 authors on three continents that makes any bit of sense. And this one, you know, there's no contradictions in this. If you think there is, I encourage you to find it. You know, it, it all agrees with itself. And it's all it's more than that, you know, because you could say that about a lot of books. Like, you know, the Book of Mormon agrees with itself, but it doesn't have any historical facts. Um, it hasn't been proven, and this does. You know, people today still dig up stuff. Oh, that wasn't in the Bible. Then they go dig it up, and they go, oh, all right, it was in the Bible. You know, again, some of the guys make get into that, but it, that's another good study to look at. You know, do we follow the law? Yes. Are we saved by the law? No. Now, do we have to follow all the dietary laws in the Old Testament? Like, you know, don't eat shellfish and, you know, don't cook meat and milk and, you know, all that stuff. No, like Jesus said to Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. You know, don't worry about those things. But again, all the all the Ten Commandments, except for the Sabbath, were repeated by Jesus and in the New Testament. So, yeah, we're not saved by the law. But as believers, we now live to a higher law, a law of grace, a law of, wow, I'm saved. Now I have the power to, to do the right thing, so how much more should I do the right thing? Then, you know, you know, there's no excuse. Paul says, what shall we do then? Shall we continue in sin, that grace may be even more and more? God forbid, he says. You know, now that we have grace, we have freedom. We have freedom, you know, to do what we want. But if we have a relationship with the Lord, we're going to want to do what the Lord wants us to do. You know, there's many translations of the Bible, NIV, NKG, NLT, ESV, you know, that are based on different things. You know, I'd encourage you, we do the New King James Version here. Um, I'd encourage you, if you just come to know the Lord, maybe look at something like the New Living Translation. Although it's not accurate as opposed to word for word, um, it may help you if you have a hard time with the language in this one, or maybe something like, I think the NASB or the ESV um, are good. But also try a study Bible. Like on this uh, sheet, uh, the Word for Today Study Bible, that's a Bible and has a bunch of notes from Pastor Chuck Smith. And if you don't want to feel like we're trying to make you a Calvary person because we're not, uh, we're just, you know, we're right. Just kidding. kidding. You know, we do a lot of, we don't only do everything right. There's plenty of people in non Calvary churches that are fantastic and are going the right way. But, um, also the life application study Bible, um, that's on there. That's a Bible that I had for a while and it it was really good. It it really makes things simple. Like when you read, like sometimes it's hard to understand what the Bible says. I mean, you know, it can always be that way sometimes, but, um, it really breaks it down like in real simple practical things like day-to-day things. But um, um, a bunch of books that are on this list are good. Um, some web resources are good. Um, some worship music. Again, this is just the tip of the iceberg, but just some good places to start. Like, Oh, I'd like to spend time in worship, but I don't know who to listen to. I don't think Bon Jovi has any, you know, praise songs. So <laughs> there's some lists on there that you can get. Um, I really encourage you. There's this website called the dot project.com. Some of the music is a little kind of, um, I don't like all of it, but basically the, you might like some of it, um, is the idea is they take a verse or a couple verses, and every week they come out with a new song, and basically it's that verse made into a song, and it's fantastic. You sit there, and then it gets stuck in your head, and you're singing a Bible verse all day long or all night long, and it's like, wow, like, and a lot of times God will use it. It's, it's fantastic, so that'll help you memorize some. Um, if you have a, a smartphone, I encourage you to get YouVersion Bible. I, it's never a replacement for this that I, I like I'm big into technology I work in technology but nothing replaces having a paper Bible um you know have it write in it take notes in it do whatever um devotionals I encourage you again like um you know I'm gonna confess uh, I still haven't found a devotional to do this year I've, I've done these though I've done I just did face checkbook last year and it was awesome uh, I did morning by morning the year before that and my utmost for its highest the year before that and uh, kind of went through each of them a couple times but um encourage you in that devotional time in the morning, uh, spend time with God in prayer and worship and in the Bible. But then also if you have the time and you feel up to it, start reading like a devotional on top of that, you know, and they're quick. They're like a page or half a page, but I encourage you read the Bible first. If you get to anything, just read the Bible. If that's all you have time for, read the Bible. Um, but if you can do a devotional with that, it's like, it's amazing. It like turns into like a breakfast sandwich. It's like, you got the ham and the eggs, and they come together, and it's fantastic. You know, a lot of times God will speak through both, and it will be super clear. Um, You know, on the back, uh, the Bridge FM 997 up here, one zero three one. if you're in North Jersey. But the reference materials, uh, if you look on the back, it says these long URLs, but Foundations of Faith 101, and the second one is Foundations of Faith 102. Um, They are the source material for uh, the rest of the classes. I didn't follow the first one because uh, I was kind of rebellious, I guess. I just wanted to do my own thing. But these guys, uh, they're going to use it as a basis for what they're going through in different topics. They may do some of it. They may do more or less of it. But uh, I encourage you. You can download them for free. Go through them if you want to get a more uh, meaty study than uh, what we do in these next six weeks or if you just want it for a resource. Um, but with that long-winded bit, I thank you so much for coming out tonight and for listening. And I uh, just want to pray you guys off. So, uh, Father, I just thank you for tonight. Um, God, you're so good to, to work through a foolish person like myself. And, God, that you would save the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And I just, we uh, thank you for your grace. We thank you for your salvation. And, God, I thank you for everyone in here, God, that they've they've sought you and they're seeking you. And, that God, they want what you want for their lives. Um, God, even though we don't always understand it or we don't know necessarily the way to go, um, God, you're our shepherd and you lead us. And I pray that everyone in here be full of your spirit that everyone in here would have a real relationship with you and would walk with you because it's, it's how we finish the race, not how we start that counts. And, uh, God, I pray that, uh, they would just trust in you and know that you're not mad at them, that God, you want the best for them. And that uh, you have great plans for each and every one that I pray that God with, uh, if you don't return in the next 10 years, that, that everyone in here would be in just such wonderful places and doing such wonderful things for you, even more so than they are now. And I uh, just thank you for them. And, uh, Bless this night in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. God bless.